Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the Weaker Vessel. Hello, everyone. If you would like to get to know more about Awakening Reformation podcast, we're a part of Rebel Alliance Media Network, so go to rebelalliancemedia.com. We have several other podcasts. Erica and I record a kids and families podcast called Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids which comes out on Mondays. And then we do this podcast that comes out on Tuesdays. And then Nate Wright and Chris Poots do the Rebel Podcast, which is the OG Rebel Alliance Media Podcast. It comes out on Wednesdays. Ben Emery does our Redeeming History. That comes in seasons. So right now it's on a break, but you can get all the first season. The Ezra Institute is putting a podcast out in our network called The Podcast for Cultural Reformation. So we have a lot of stuff that you can download and listen to, subscribe to our feed in iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher to stay up to date. Your ears can be busy every day of the week. This summer, we have written and published a Systematic for Saplings, which is a family worship guide that we did for the summer. It's 12 Mm -hmm. weeks. Indeed. It's geared towards family worship so parents can walk their kids through systematic theology, which sounds crazy. But it's going really well, actually. And it's not a long guide. It literally takes five to ten minutes based on your kids' capabilities. You can extend it to be longer and more in-depth if you want it to be. But it's really written towards very simple understanding, very simple level for children to understand. So, Yeah, and we wrote it trying to give parents as much power as possible with what they want to do with it. So like Erica said, if you want to go really deep. Knock yourself out. Exactly. It's going really well. So we just want to push that to you. Go to rebelalliancemedia.com on Sundays. We put out the study for each week. Mm -hmm. And then the Fathers of the Faith podcast is kind of a brief overview for the week ahead Mm -hmm. about... Whatever the topic, the doctrine. Go to rebelalliancemedia.com. Everything is free. We do have a few things that are available for purchase. Mm -hmm. Um, Those things are very cheap. They're mostly a dollar ninety nine, I think. Yeah. So I mean, if you really want to, you can go ahead and check out our store. But we we love to give you a good value for your dollar. If you do feel so inclined to donate to us, we have a Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash rebel alliance, you can donate there. You can become a Patreon one time or a monthly Patreon. And we greatly appreciate it. It helps us pay for some of these overhead costs like the website and the people who have have become patreons we thank you so much and it is an incredible help you are a blessing for sure anyway we are actually going to steal a little bit from the rebel podcast because we can because <laughs> that's right so they always do a, a bit of rebel news and what would ours be here's here comes your awakening here co- awakened <laughs> news <laughs> get ready for your awakening yeah, that's right. Your woke news. Yeah. I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I don't know if I do either. We're just going to chit-chat about something crazy that's happened in New York City this week. So part of the preface to this bill recently passed in New York was a measles outbreak, right? Right. You know, everyone knows New York City is separated into five boroughs. 
and then each borough, we're in Brooklyn, is really separated by neighborhood. So you end up learning all the different neighborhoods. Well, anyway, there was a couple neighborhoods in Brooklyn that there was a whole bunch of cases of measles. Mm-hmm. And so then this brought up the the whole anti-vax, pro-vax debate and who's vaccinating their kids, who is not vaccinating their kids. Should they? Should they not? And we're not going to get into all of the... Should or should not. Should or should or should not. Yeah. The Governor Cuomo, who is a complete idiot, just going <laughs> to throw that out there. Everything he does is foolish. But he signed a bill into law which would end the religious exemption for vaccines. So this will end for all of the Muslims, all the Jews, all the Christians, anyone who has filed a religious exemption to keep their children from having to receive a vaccine in order to go to a public school or a summer camp. If their child isn't fully vaccinated, then their child is barred from participating. This is where we do not want to get into the vaccination debate. It doesn't even matter. What is scary about this law in particular is that what's happening now is that Governor Cuomo is saying that the government can tell you what you have to do with your child. Yeah. And you have no say in the matter. And so the problem here is... Well, it's not even about the vaccine. No. Take out the word vaccine and insert the word educate. If the government were to tell you how you had to educate your child or how you had to raise your child, this is what they're doing. What they're saying is, in the past, there used to be exemptions for if your religion thought of vaccinations as immoral Mm -hmm. or went against your belief system, there was an exemption for you. You could file an exemption. Your child didn't have to receive the vaccine. But Cuomo is saying, your religion doesn't matter anymore, and your parental control is being removed from you. And it's because the state has assumed the role of God. Yeah. And so they, because they've assumed the role of God, they assume that every area of your life is their jurisdiction. Yeah. And so the sphere sovereignty that Kuiper so well formulated that the state has this function, the home has this function, the Mm -hmm. church has this function, the state has now assumed all of it. And more and more you see the infection spreading. Mm Mm-hmm. And this should be devastating. I mean, you can be the most avid advocate for vaccines. That's fine. This ought to still severely trouble your soul. And that's because there's no end to it. Once you hand that power to them, there's no end to what vaccines they can now require of you. Or what type of education they require of you to give to your children. Or what type of classes your children have to take. Or what type of programs your children must be enrolled in. Mm -hmm. And if this isn't scary enough, one of our really good friends (laughs) was telling us how in the state of New York, if you give birth in a hospital in New York City, that hospital owns your child until you are discharged. Yes, it was terrifying to hear that. And she was saying that's why home births are so popular amongst Christians Mm -hmm. and even other religions like the um, Muslim or Jewish Mm -hmm. religions, because there is that fear that we do not want the government or a hospital to have any more control or say in the life of our children than what they already have. Yeah, because think about how easy it'd be for them 
to want to do some sort of procedure or Mm -hmm. give some kind of medication or something to your kid and you're saying no and for them to say, well, you're not in the right mind or whatever and really I own your kid so it's going to happen. Right. Well, and our friend was saying that – I won't mention her name because I don't know if she wants to be mentioned. But she was saying how um, that a lot of times moms are fearful because when they go to the hospital, if the hospital offers – like you said, a procedure or medication mm-hmm. or a vaccine or whatever, and the parent doesn't want it, if the hospital disagrees with the parent's decision, the hospital will call CPS. And now Child Protective Services is involved, I mean, from day one of that child's life. And if anyone has ever dealt with Child Protective Services, it can be a nightmare to get them off of your case. Yeah, they d- they don't believe in, like, right of the parent. No, to think that this is yeah. New York government. Yeah, this is where we're at here. And his answer to making sure there's not another measles outbreak is just to write another law. Yeah. Well, I'm God. I have the power to just make law and make people do what I want. But the, the funny thing here and the irony of it all is that it's not that he cares about children. No. Cuomo does not care about children. A couple, a couple months earlier, he just signed a law that said we can kill children right. in yeah. the womb. He doesn't care about the children. It's not mm-hmm. about protecting the children and keeping them healthy. It's about controlling the children and controlling the parents. And that's what's terrifying. Yeah. Since state is God, state knows best. And so you just need to trust the state. You just need to hand over the power and trust the state. We know best. Your knowledge is not sufficient enough to make these decisions, but ours is. So what should a parent do in these kind of situations? That's what we were. That was all the talk amongst the Sunday school table this morning. What do parents do when the government reaches into your home and starts telling you what you must do with your children? Yeah, it's not going to end here. It's going to keep going further and further. Right. So what happens when that, when there are more laws infringing upon your freedoms? What do we do? Is there a way that that we can rebel against the government mm-hmm. in a godly manner? Right. If you can't leave, if you can't flee, mm-hmm. then I I'm 100% in agreement with some sort of righteous rebellion. And this is obey God rather than man mm-hmm. situation because God has required parents to raise their kids in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And if the state is legally binding you so that you can't do that, then it's perfectly lawful in God's eyes mm-hmm. to find a way to still do that, If even if it means disobeying the governing authorities. Yeah. Well, that's what our friend was saying. She's like, if you know anything about the Jewish community. There's just going to be some uh, there's gonna be vaccine, a recognition, uh, vaccine records that. That are forged. Yeah. yeah. We'll find a doctor who will forge some records. And yeah. that, that's how the Jewish community handles things like yeah. that. <laughs> and I am not opposed to that. I mean, if the government is going to be uh, tyrannical that way, then Christians need to yeah. say this is not okay. There were Christians in the early church who got forged documents that just said that they um, did their pinch of incense to the emperor and Mm -hmm. did their whole allegiance to the emperor. They didn't really do it, but they would get some black market documents and pay for them. So that way, if the Roman guard came by and said, hey, where's your documents? They could show them. And they did that so that they wouldn't die. Mm-hmm. And that they wouldn't have to leave. And they had underground churches in these cities where the persecution was really harsh. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I yeah. mean, I think it's great. 
Like we're obeying God rather than man. There's a bigger picture here. And that's what these kind of situations do is it causes relations between the Muslim community, the Jewish community, the conservative Christian community to have to really band together in a way that they didn't have to prior to this. Mm -hmm. So this really is an opportunity for the Christians to step up and say, listen, we're going to help you. We're going to band together, whether we agree or not about this like vaccine debate we can all agree the government has no business telling us how to raise our children. Right. And now the relationship is there. What a great opportunity to evangelize to those other religions that are yeah. open to you because they see eye to eye on this particular topic. Yeah. So to sum up, we're saying that it's not about pro-vax, anti-vax. It's about the government overstepping their bounds yeah. in this and taking over a sphere that they have no right over. Yeah. And we need to be watchful. And New York City is, I mean, they are jumping off the deep end. Yeah. And left and right, it's crazy. Gotta love New York City. It is eye-opening, I will say. All right. Well. So tonight. Now you're woke. <laughs> that was your <laughs> awakened news or whatever. Um, if you are not yet woke enough, <laughs> we have amidst the flurry of wondrous things happening in New York City, all types of rainbow pride flags flying all over the place. Yes. It is Pride Month. It is Pride Month. At churches, retail stores. At DSW. Restaurants, shoe stores. It's nonsense. Nothing but praise for the Noahic Covenant Mm -hmm. and the... And the ark and the salvation of, uh, you know, God and Noah's family mm-hmm. through the flood. Anyway, it's really bad. It's literally everywhere. I mean. I'm sure this is not isolated to New York City. I'm yeah, sure it's everywhere. Probably not. But I mean, that's what we're talking about tonight. We have to. It's Pride Month. We have to talk about it. And we've had some engagements and some some conversations recently. So Yes. So tonight we're going to talk about the homosexual pride cult. That's right. We said it. We said it. Homosexual pride cult in American Christianity. Just like the Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses who will claim to be Christians, we all know they're not. Mm-hmm. And how do we identify a cult? Well, if a Christian group denies a basic tenet of the Christian faith, then they're headed off into cult land. Cult land? Cult land. Cultville. <laughs> <laughs> they're headed off into being. That must be New York City. <laughs> American Christianity and a large part of it that are blessing this Pride Month, they are denying a basic tenet of our faith, which is the Trinity. Yeah. So what we're saying is the reason why we would call Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons in particular a cult and not actually a denomination within Christianity is because they deny the Trinity, which is red flag number one. Like, you cannot deny the Trinity and be a Christian. You're denying who God is. You deny who God is, then you cannot be one of his children. This just seems very basic. <laughs> That's true. They deny the Trinity, and they also deny God's word. Right, because God's word is absolutely clear on sexuality. It really is. It's not mm-hmm. It's not hazy. Old Testament, New Testament. Right in your face. It's in your face. So if you deny God and you deny his word or have to add to his word or mm-hmm. amend his word, you are a cult. Right. You are not a Christian. You are something other than an Orthodox Christian. Right. And you're a cult because you're trying to still call yourself one. Yeah. 
I'm sure you have seen a bunch of your friends or businesses that you follow and like on your social media share all types of different um, gay pride supporting memes or pictures. There's a bunch of, what do they call like a frame around your profile picture? Filter. Yeah, it's something like that where you can like add a little rainbow around your yeah. profile picture and things like that. I mean, people are coming mm-hmm. out in droves to support gay pride. Right. There's a whole group of Christians that do this. Those who... are the woke Christians, but yeah. not woke in the good sense of the word woke. <laughs> right. And they will say on the very worst end of it that you can be a Christian and be gay, completely practicing homosexual. Mm-hmm. But then there is still a section, which is more dangerous that are saying that homosexual desires are not wrong if not acted upon. You can be gay, but you just can't act gay. Right. And and they call themselves gay Christian. Yep. Think Revoice and Right. Revoice Conference uh, that's happening is a big supporter of this view. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it denies the Trinity is because our male and female gender definitions and functions come from the ontological trinity, the three persons in one mm-hmm. that have differing roles but live in community and unity and in love, but they're different. They are not the same. Mm-hmm. Father is not the son. The son is not the spirit. Spirit is not the father, but they're all one God living in harmony and unity. Male and female were created in God's image and supposed to image the trinity in that way where they are not the same, even being different they can live in harmony and unity and, and they in are oneness one. mm-hmm. and in oneness. When you say, well, a homosexual desire is not sinful, that's denying these differences with unity. You're denying the basics of the Christian faith. You're denying the doctrine of the Trinity. Well, that's why when God said male and female, he created them, and then he said it was good, Yeah, it's because at that point it mirrored what he wanted humans to mirror, which was himself, which was the triune God. So to say that uh, a man and a man or a woman and a woman can come together and be one and rightly mirror the triune God is a lie. Yeah, it's a lie. It's heresy. It is heresy. Yeah. A man and a man cannot come together and become one and reflect and image the triune God in the way that he intended a marriage or a couple to do so. Right. It's a it's literally a perversion. It's an upside down yeah. uh, view of it. It's an upside down working of human relationships. Yeah. And so this is how it's a cult because it is, in effect, uh, denying a basic tenet of the faith, which is like Erica said, which is what Mormonism does, Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. And um, several others. Yeah, and several others that claim to be Christian but deny basic tenets of the faith that have been held for thousands of thousands years. Thousands of years. So, that I mean, that's number one. And that's huge. Yeah. And that's that's the gender role thing all over the place, not even just in the homosexual situation. Right. And that's why the egalitarian yeah. gender role thing really has affected the church in such a deep way because it has perverted what a marriage between a man and a woman ought to look like. Right. So we've done away with God's design, even in a marriage between a man and a woman, it opened the door for even further perversions, which Mm -hmm. is where we are now. Even as we see homosexuality denying the proper 
image of the Trinity, the proper mm-hmm. teaching of the Trinity. Right. We also see homosexuality personally attacking each one of the members of the Trinity. I mean, it's outright attacking them. Right. And we're talking not just the actual homosexual, but the Christians who are affirming the homosexuals. Maybe we should talk about Romans 1 a little bit right here. Yeah. Because it is just as sinful for you to affirm a sinful practice in someone else as it is for you to be doing that same sinful practice. So Romans 119, I'm just going to read it real quick, just for some context, says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to their debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. And so it's not just the person doing them. It's the person giving their support by sharing the post and writing a big, long, warm welcome and approval. Yeah, one more time for those in the back. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve what? To die. They not only do them, but give approval to, to those who practice them. Let that sink in. Yeah. Christians who share posts about this whole Pride Month thing going on and how we need to love and support and and encourage them, affirm, accept, all these kinds of things, because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus just welcomes everybody. Jesus doesn't, you know, shut anybody out. And this is a very deceptive tactic. Mm -hmm. Because God is love, right? right? But you giving approval of their lifestyle and what they do, you are just as guilty. Mm -hmm. So this is where we're going to talk about how the the homosexual pride cult attacks each member of the Trinity. So how does it attack God the Father? It attacks God the Father because, again, it's attacking the roles and functions that we image him in. The homosexual agenda is saying, I don't want to image you the way that you function and exist. Well, especially if you're a lesbian. I mean, you're getting going away from the male role altogether. So it, it's it, two women trying to image a masculine role. 
Right. It's a complete rebellion against yeah. his nature. Right. Also, God is holy, completely holy. He cannot dwell with sin. He's completely set apart from his creation. He is unlike his creation in the sense that he is completely untainted with sin. Yeah. And so to say, well, God accepts me. God no. just loves everyone. Well, no, he 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 can't. Right. He does in his son. And we'll talk about that in a second. But he he can't. You don't want him to. He's not God anymore if now he's dwelling with sin. He's not holy anymore. Well, and we see the father turning his face away from Jesus on the cross. When Jesus became sin, God the father looked away from Jesus. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying that God can love the sinner, God can love a homosexual outside of being forgiven in Christ, what you are saying is that God the Father was unjust to Jesus on the cross. That somehow he poured out more wrath on Jesus than what Mm -hmm. actually was deserved. Yeah. And that's a denial of the gospel, which is heresy. Yeah. You need to like seriously consider Christian, if you have been lied to and thought that maybe you could believe that you could love a gay person and just accept them for who they are and allow for them to wallow in their sin Mm -hmm. and affirm that sin in them, you need to stop and think what you are doing to the character of God and the lie that you're believing. It's grievous. The lie that you're living by doing that. Mm -hmm. So that's God the Father. What about God the Son? Well, you kind of alluded to it, but by saying that this is just something that's acceptable, though clearly, though scripture clearly speaks against homosexuality. You're saying that I don't need Jesus, the redeemer. I don't need Jesus who's died on the cross for sins to put sin to death. Mm -hmm. And so my actions uh, don't need to be touched. They don't need to be redeemed. They don't need to be forgiven. They don't need this savior. Mm -hmm. I don't need him. It was a waste. Yeah, it was a waste. What a fool Jesus was. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't for me. It was for someone else. Well, we know that Jesus conquered Satan, sin, and will conquer death ultimately when he Mm -hmm. returns. But when we say that Jesus conquered sin by his death, burial, and resurrection, he defeated his enemies, and he has given us the ability by the Holy Spirit to live without having that burden of sin on us. What you're saying ultimately is that the enemy that Jesus died to defeat actually is our friend. Yeah, and that Jesus didn't quite beat him. Maybe. Well, he didn't need to because it wasn't something that needed to be conquered. Well, right. And so the the group that says my homosexual desires are not what's sinful, it's only the action on those desires that's sinful, which is a belief rejected by hundreds of years of the church. Mm-hmm. Those sinful desires, Paul says, Specifically in uh, Galatians, like your unnatural desires and lusts of the flesh are supposed to be put to death. Mm -hmm. And Jesus died on the cross so he could put it to death. So you don't keep it there Mm -hmm. and say, oh, well, this isn't something that I need to really put to death. You're denying the work of Jesus's redemption on your life. Mm -hmm. You're denying that part of it. You're making him out to be a fool. That's what you're doing. And so that's how it attacks the second person (laughs) of the Trinity in his work. So there's number two. (laughs) All right. um, And then the Holy Spirit. So we know that the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to renew us, to cleanse us, and to um, help us walk in holiness and to walk in the newness of the Spirit, right? This is what the New Testament talks about, filling us and enabling us to say no to sin, to say no to our flesh. And so by saying 
this sin, this unnatural desire that we have in our hearts is not something I need to turn away from or not mm-hmm. something I'm going to put to death, then you're denying the Nor Holy Spirit. Nor can I. Yeah, or, yeah, can't, some, mm-hmm. some would even say. So uh, the Holy Spirit, I don't need you. So the Holy Spirit's function is rejected and denied. This newness, this new life that's supposed to be wrought in every Christian, every person united to Christ is now denied and shut down because, oh, I want this sin to stay here. Right. We don't need the helper. Right. There's no help to be had here. So his his function is truncated by this view. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is a bonus one. But we're going to say number four is just the word of God. They deny the word of God. Yeah. Old Testament and New Testament actually explicitly speak about the sinfulness of homosexuality and even the desires of mm-hmm. of homosexuality. Being well, even in, in Romans 1 that I just read, right. it talks about lesbianism and sodomy. Right. And it's a, it's a sign of judgment. It's a yeah. sign that God is pouring wrath out on a people. It says and that he's turned, he's turned away from them. Yeah. And it's given them over to their lusts. Yeah, and we fully understand that there are many other things mentioned, but this is mentioned. Mm -hmm. So, again, just like we don't have, you know, liar pride month Mm -hmm. or adulterer uh, pride month or Mm -hmm. whatever, we don't we don't do that. So with this sin, we shouldn't either. And as a Christian, someone who believes the gospel and believes that all sin should be put to death and that, you know, we want all people to be freed from their sin and to walk in the spirit and in newness of life with with Christ and with God the Father, not be enemies anymore. Mm-hmm. Why are we encouraging people to hang on to their sin? It's interesting that they use the word pride as like such a wonderful tagline of theirs. Like pride has always been seen as a vice until recently. Mm-hmm. Well, and Augustine said pride is the sin pregnant with all other sins. From the very beginning, it was pride that the serpent tempted Eve and Adam with was you can do it on your own. You don't need God's law word. Mm-hmm. You don't need his rules. Did and God his ways. really say? Right. You doubt his word mm-hmm. and his word is clear. But pride is what says, I think I can do it on my own. I think own. I can reinterpret this rule and bend it a little bit yeah. and work it to my advantage. Yeah. It was just cultural. <laughs> and, yeah. Instead of just taking it for its clearest, most lame, common yeah. meaning, we have to adjust it, maneuver it, use some linguistics and make it mean something that it doesn't mean. Yeah. If you're a parent, you know how kids do this all the time. They like, will take something you said and twist it around a little bit to still get their way. No, they're shysty. <laughs> they're shysty little kids. But oftentimes, it's what Christians want to do to God's word. Well, and you know what? Jesus referred to uh, Adam and Eve. He said, from the beginning, it was like this when he talked about man and woman and their roles in marriage. Mm -hmm. I mean, it never goes well when people deny God's word or we make a mockery of it. Not a one time. And it's not that God needs us to defend his word because his word is powerful in its own Mm -hmm. right. Right. But he has given his children the the task to share the hope that lies within us. Right. And there's power in his word. Absolutely. God has specifically chosen that the proclamation of his word will accomplish what he wants it to accomplish. And that's what the spirit takes to make someone's heart new. Mm-hmm. I think this is where some really poor eschatology has crept into and and some of the fruit of the poor eschatology Mm -hmm. that's been so prominent in the church for the last 
few hundred years. And being post-mill, we see Jesus ruling and reigning. Right now, he's on the throne. He is expanding his kingdom. He has called his children to help expand the borders by sharing the gospel, discipling the nations. And one of the things that the church has done for so long is make our gospel call, if you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. or our altar call or whatever, so individualistic. You know, it's just accept Jesus and love Jesus for you so you can go to heaven. It's not about you expanding the kingdom of God. There's no impetus on you to actually do anything. The preacher man has the job of of sharing the gospel. It's not you. But our gospel has become so self-focused. You're right. It really has nothing to do with Jesus at all anymore or what he's called us to do. If we see what our eschatological end is, that at one point in history, we will be living with Christ in mm-hmm. his kingdom forever, right. which we help to build by the Holy Spirit's power. Yeah. I mean, that's a call to something. Right. It's not just, hey, I'm good. I've got my free ticket and I'm I'm good from here on out. It's like, no, there's more. We re- God requires more from you. Yeah, that's incredibly more exciting and encapsulating yeah. for your life. Dispensational the post-trib, pre-mill attitude is just a defeatist attitude and I can't wait to get out of here attitude. Satan is just ruling and reigning and his power is growing mm-hmm. in well, that mindset. And, and how many posts have you seen where it just says like love wins, just love everyone? Yeah. The mindset by someone who has a poor eschatology, it's like you just need to convince someone that they're good enough and that they do want to go to heaven and that Jesus loved them. If you can yeah. just convince them Jesus loved you and if you believe in him, like you can go to heaven, then I guess by if that's our goal in life, then yeah, maybe we should try their tactics and like love the homosexual and affirm them because as long as they love Jesus and accept them into their heart, they're good. But that's not the gospel. Well, that's just it's goes just against, so short changed. Right. Well, it's gone. That goes against what God has done throughout all of history. There's constantly been times where God's people have done whatever is right in their own eyes. They were pretty happy with themselves. Yeah, they're pretty pleased. And God sends a prophet. Hey, you're all messed up. You need to repent. And then they try and kill the prophet or did kill the prophet. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's not how God works. That's not how God has worked in like all of history. Yeah. He's called his people to something. Yeah. He saves them and then he calls them to something. No, those who have undergone a death are the ones that are protected and loved by God. Yeah. So Christians are called to have compassion. They are called to speak the truth in love. Mm Mm-hmm. One thing that the Christian church in America has done in the past is I think they have added to the problem. Mm -hmm. And so when you do hear the stories of the pastor or the Christian parents uh, just sending kids to gay camp, right, shunning a kid, treating them terrible or being cold to them, not giving them the gospel. We want kids to be convicted of their sin. Like you you want pain receptors to work, right? That's a good thing to have pain receptors and nerve endings. So if they're being convicted of their sin, this is a good thing. Yeah. But you don't want to add to it by then shutting them out or treating them different in any kind of like you don't do that. You have compassion and you share the truth in love. Mm-hmm. Compassion doesn't soften standards. and so Or remove shame. Or remove shame. The shame is a good thing. When you have shame, you want 
forgiveness. You want that shame to go away. And so we need to point them to the one who takes shame away. Yeah. You don't shut them out of the church. The church is where Jesus is. Well, and that's what the homosexual pride cult wants to do is they want to take the shame away for them. Right. They want to just say, no, 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 we value you just like you are. We love you just like you are. Yep. And we want to remove that shame so that you feel loved by Jesus. But what we're really doing is we're setting ourselves up as God as though we are the ones that can remove the shame. Mm-hmm. And then we'll introduce them to Jesus who's sitting on the sidelines. Christians need to speak the truth in love so you can share God's word in love and be compassionate without laxing the standard. That's where we need to land. We need to land with compassion that doesn't relax the standards. I think Christians need to be bold enough to be disliked. Just know the world hated Jesus first and they're going to hate you. Right. If you worship a guy who was murdered, yeah. that's that could very easily be you as well. Yeah, we have gotten way too comfortable in our American Christianity and in all of our comfort, we've lost our spine. Mm-hmm. We love being the cool person. Like we love being the cool the cool guy way too much. And so if anything we say might ruin, you know, our reputation with some friends or or get you unfriended, right, or get you unfriended or blocked or something, then we stay away from it. If, or it just makes you nervous. I mean, yeah. I can remember when we first started engaging with friends and family on social media and it would make me upset. Like it would turn my stomach mm-hmm. and it would make me upset that someone was perhaps offended or mad at me. And I just had to be, Stop and and ask myself, why are you such a coward? Why does that bother you? If what you believe is true and what you are saying is true and you're not being unkind, you're not insulting them or something, then why do you care? It's because I would rather please man than God. And that is a sin that I need to repent of. Yeah. So I encourage you all to be brave, be courageous. We need truth to be spoken everywhere at work, at church, in your friend group. Mm -hmm. on social media, everywhere. Yeah. God's truth needs to go out and there's power in it. Well, I know that we harp on like social media a lot. It's kind of just like a really easy (laughs) way to engage with culture. But honestly, if you can't engage on social media, you won't be able to engage in in private conversations with individual people face to face. It's just the truth. If you can't speak to a screen or you can't type something out on a keyboard anonymously, mostly anonymously, what makes you think you're going to have the boldness to say something face-to-face in a mom group or with your friend over coffee? Right. You won't be able to. Yeah, and we need to. They aren't silent. Yeah. They are very loud. Yeah. And we don't need to be obnoxious or name-calling. But we need to know the word of God. we need to say something. And we need to to proclaim it as truth. And we need to remember that we are bought with a price, that something is required of us. Mm -hmm. We didn't just receive Jesus into our hearts so that we could go to heaven. There is something much grander than that that we have been saved unto. And we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Jesus has already won. It's not like we're sitting in our closet here recording, fretting that, oh my gosh, the homosexuals are taking over. Like, we know Jesus already won. Right. So we're not scared that we have to do something or what Jesus died to procure is going to be lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we fulfill our role as ambassadors for Christ with confidence. And we pray that God uses our efforts 
however small they might be. Mm-hmm. But you do have to remember that you are part of a kingdom. Yeah. You belong to King Jesus, and he has called you unto something, and that is kingdom building. You cannot build his kingdom while giving aid to the enemy. I think at the time right now, being Pride Month, this was this hopefully, a good time. hopefully this is good, and mm-hmm. hopefully it's helpful for you. Hopefully you're encouraged, and hopefully you can see that the homosexual Christian cult for what it really is, and that it really runs deep, and it strikes at some of the basic tenets of the Christian faith. It's serious, and um, we should pay attention to it. So So like and share, please. Yes, that would be much appreciated. And go check out Systematics for Saplings. All right, so go check it out. Thank you for listening again. Come back next week for another episode. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check, one, two, first Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church The kind of things that few search, they say that the truth hurts Well this pain is gain, so let's explain the new birth First things first, can't neglect this at the start I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart From original sin, the effects of the fall The sin of our first parents brought death to us all Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us In him were all rebels and dead Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames, left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames, cause we're powerless to change, if you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily, as you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. That verse 1 is my thesis It's the deepest truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into naked night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kind of like the wind, which is free East to west can't perceive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like 
Genesis 1, yeah It's just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause, it changes our natural habitation The situation, it's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted so my dirt was inexcusable With new internal pupils, his person is beautiful His worth is indisputable, the lamb is amazing A standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love to the God who was given new birth from above. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.